Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this third Sunday of Easter is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning at the 14th verse. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and spoke loudly and clearly to them. Men of Judea and all you residents of Jerusalem, understand this and listen closely to my words. This Jesus is the one God has raised up. We are all witnesses of that. So, after he was exalted to the right hand of God and after he received the promise, Holy Spirit from the Father, he poured out what you are now seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, and yet he says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet. Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Gentlemen, brothers, what should we do? Peter answered them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call. He testified solemnly with many other words and was appealing to them, saying, Escape from this crooked generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning of the 17th verse. If you call on the Father who judges impartially, according to the work of each person, conduct yourselves during the time of your pilgrimage in reverence, because you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, not with things that passed away, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. The word of the Lord. Our gospel reading is taken from Luke chapter 24, beginning at the 13th verse. This is the popular Easter story of the disciples on the way to Emmaus. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing this, Jesus himself approached and began to walk along with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. 
He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? Saddened, they stopped. One of them named Cleopas answered him, are you only the, a visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked them. They replied, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Not only that, but besides all this, is now the third day since these things happened. Also, some women of our group amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. When they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. He said to them, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? and to enter his glory. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village where they were going, he acted as if he were going to travel farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, since it is almost evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and began giving it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us along the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? They got up from that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them assembled together. They were saying, the Lord really has been raised. He has appeared to Simon. They themselves described what happened along the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. It is the Gospel reading from Luke. Chapter 24, beginning at the 13th verse. I open with the last two verses of this section. They were saying, the Lord really has been raised. He has appeared to Simon. They themselves described what had happened along the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I am one who checks out YouTube, and sometimes they even catch some of the news, especially for the more public or the more national type news. And in my news feed, there was a, a video of a young lady whose mother I actually watch uh, rather consistently. She's actually from Canada, and she has a sheep farm. Since I grew up on a hog farm, I find it fascinating to check out what life is like on the farm for a sheep herder. And her daughter in this video 
It was titled, I Have Cancer. And so I clicked on it. She's in her early 20s. She's going to college. And now she is facing chemo. They're even talking about trying to save her eggs because where she has her cancer, she might not be able to have children. I thought to myself, this has to be the worst thing at such a young age to find out you have cancer and have to face chemo. She's too young, that's for older people, for later on in their life. But for a young person who seems to have their whole life in front of them, this has to seem like the worst thing ever. And then I thought, well, what really is the worst thing ever? I bet you and I could come up with a whole list of the worst things ever. But what would you say is the number one worst thing ever? Biblically speaking, hands down, there is no debate. The worst thing ever, unbelief. Rejecting the, the Lord of the Bible, rejecting the Lord who made everything in six 24-hour days, rejecting the fact that our God is triune, one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rejecting the fact that the very Son of God gave his life and paid for our sins on the cross. That unbelief. Because there is no hope in unbelief. There is only despair in unbelief. And along with that, what is also one of the worst things ever is having hope that is simply wishful thinking. Or a kind of hope that still has doubts. The kind of hope that we hear about with the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. The two disciples, this was, they were traveling on the very day that Jesus rose from the dead. And we don't know much about these two disciples. We know that one of them was named Cleopas. I always thought that both of them were actually men, uh, disciples who were traveling together. And, and many believe because of the name Cleopas, Quite possibly, the other unnamed disciple may have been his wife. This could have been a couple. I can't rule it out. In fact, it's quite possible. We just don't know for sure. Just as we don't know for sure about where Emmaus is. Some, some claim that Emmaus today is about 20, 30 miles away from Jerusalem. We're told here that this Emmaus is only seven miles away. And then there is an Emmaus that some believe they have found that is only three and a half miles uh, north of Jerusalem. And because of that, some are wondering if the seven miles from Jerusalem is actually the distance of a round trip instead of exactly seven miles away. And once again, could be. We just don't know for sure. But we do know for certain that the two disciples were discussing, and literally in the original language, it means it was intense discussion as they were discussing and debating all that was going on. And at the heart of that discussion was certainly these words. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. 
hoping in the sense of wishful thinking because they still had their doubts. To redeem Israel, well, we know many of the disciples, even after Jesus' resurrection, many believed that this redeeming Israel meant that he was going to free them from Roman tyranny, that he was going to establish a kingdom like no ever, because he's the king of kings and lord of lords. But we know that when it comes to redeeming Israel, he not only redeemed Israel, he redeemed all people. When he bought us back by paying the debt our sins owed. And the punishment for sin is death. And our Lord paid that payment in our behalf. So you and I would live. But if Jesus is dead, if Jesus remains dead, then this means that the redemption is questioned. Did he really pay for our sins because he's still dead? And this is what they were struggling with as they walked along when all of a sudden Jesus walked along with them. <laughs> Jesus inquired what they were talking about and, and their response was they should have under, he should have immediately understood what they were talking about. The main the whole mainline news in Jerusalem was all about Jesus and, and his sacrifice on the cross and, and the punishment that he endured by being condemned to death. And yet he goes, what things? They started talking about things like, oh, yes, he was condemned and they crucified him, but they were terribly, terribly struggling with the fact that some of the women that morning went to the grave and they didn't find him. They saw a vision of angels, but him they did not see. Even the disciples that went and checked it out, we know it was Peter and John for sure, went and checked out the grave. They found it empty just as the women had said. And yet they're still believing that he is dead. Even with all the news of what's going on, they couldn't come to the fact that Jesus was alive. See, their doubts led to disappointment because we hoped he was going to redeem Israel. It led to a total confusion as they were trying to fathom everything that was going on and they left Jerusalem going home. And along with it, let's not overlook the grief. Because even when Jesus approached them, it says here, they, were, they stopped because they were saddened. The truth of the matter is, is a dead Savior is no Savior at all. In fact, a dead Savior cannot save. We have no proof of it. Yes, they were saddened. They were still in their sins. They were still in hopelessness. There's no forgiveness. There's no hope of everlasting life. They kind of hoped it was the case, but it was always hope filled with doubts. And the honest truth is, hope that is filled with doubts is really no hope at all. Some would say it is actually good to have some doubts. That way you don't take God for granted. It's kind of good to have some doubts be, because that way you'll appreciate 
everything that Jesus has done even more. But that wasn't the case for these two disciples. Their doubts led to disappointment. It led to confusion. It led to grief and despair. But the good news, Jesus is alive. Jesus did conquer death. Jesus did rise. We do not have a dead Savior. Our faith clings to a living one. And this is a hope we have that has no doubts whatsoever. Notice how Jesus revealed himself to these disciples. He didn't go and simply say, Guys, here I am. High five. Fist bump. Hey, look at me. I'm alive. Get over it. Instead, he did something even more amazing. He opened the scriptures to them. He talked starting with Moses and, and, and went into the, no doubt, all the books of Moses as, as well as the books of the other prophets, all those that foretold the coming of the Savior and no doubt showing them exactly how that was all fulfilled in what Jesus was going through. Part of it including not only his death and sacrifice on the cross, but also his resurrection. We're not told the exact passages he used, but I have no doubt in my mind that he had to start with the first promise recorded in the Bible. In Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will crush his heel. That the promise of a Savior who would be born of the woman and therefore fully human would be the very Son of God who would undo what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. I wouldn't doubt that he quoted from Isaiah 53 that talks about by his wounds we are healed and the greatest healing we receive because of his wounds and his sacrifice is the forgiveness of sins. I wouldn't doubt that he probably even brought up what was recorded in the beautiful book of Job. The very one who was suffering terribly even had, had, had sores all over his body. And yet in the light of all of his burden, in all of his suffering, he would say this, I know that my Redeemer lives. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I am not another, how my heart yearns within me. My Savior lives. It was evening. And Jesus acted like he was going to go further. They had reached Emmaus. The disciples were very insistent that Jesus needed to join them and stay with them. And so he did. They were gathering together around the meal table and Jesus broke bread and blessed it and gave it to them. By the way, this is not the Lord's Supper. We have no talk whatsoever of the cup and the wine. Breaking of bread was another way of saying celebrate the meal. For bread was not sliced and handed out on a plate. It was taken by the honored guest, broke it, and handed it out to the others. And when that happened, 
Jesus revealed himself, and then he disappeared. They rejoiced that their hearts were burning within them, but notice they weren't rejoicing with their hearts burning within them because they saw him. That's what I would have expected. No, their hearts were burning within them when he opened the scriptures and explained the scriptures. There is what brought them great joy. You and I know that Jesus died and rose again. We know that he has ascended into heaven. We know that he gives a promise that he will return with the holy angels on the last day. We do not expect to see him before that. But he's blessed us with something even greater. His holy word. The written word. The holy Bible. This is what we cling to. This is what we hold to. As we cling to a hope that is not wishful thinking, but to a hope that is certain, guaranteed. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. Because he lives. In fact, there's only one way to interpret the Bible. The key to unlock all the mysteries of God's holy word is all in the fact that Jesus is our Savior, our living Savior. We understand every passage in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. I am not one who believes there is more than one way to interpret the Bible, only one way, centered in the fact that Jesus lives. That's the hope. And this is the hope we rejoice in each and every day. And this hope is yours in Christ Jesus alone. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.